0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. I love y'all and I appreciate you being here. It means the world to me that you would sacrifice some of your Saturday to come and be a part of our services. I believe there's no other better place to be on a Saturday um, except maybe with Jesus himself. But (laughs) right now, this might be the closest you have. So we're so excited that you're here with us and I'm excited to get into a second part of a pretty cool... um, Teaching that Jesus did. But before we get there, I believe that your whole life, you've been taught to get rich, to eat until beyond being full, to do whatever makes you happy, to give the finger to the people that told you they don't like you, that rejected you. But what happens if today, right now, I could teach you? better if the Bible could teach you a better way to live your life, a better way, but it flips upside down everything that you know, everything that you're used to hearing, everything you've been taught. I believe that you can live an extremely blessed life here and now if you can learn
1: this simple principle. Kingdom
0: living over carnal living. When you focus, when your focus changes from being inward to outward. Now, all of this is going to be a little bit shifting. It's going to change your perspective on things. It's going to not make sense to many of us that have been taught the same thing over and over and over and over again because it's a complete shift in our mentality. The the way that we were taught to live to gain success and greatness and glory and all of those great things. It shifts those, it changes it.
1: But I believe truthfully with my whole heart
0: that you could live a better life if you could learn to reject that and embrace these new teachings that Jesus spoke about. On the Sermon on the Plain. Yes, we're back at it again on the Sermon on the Plain. And I'm so excited. I'm excited to dive into what that looks like. Put 11 in chat for me right now. If you've played any of the Halos. Any Halos. I don't even care if it's the newest one. You know, whatever whatever Halos. Put 11 in chat. 11 in chat right now. If you're in the YouTube channel right now, put 11 in the comments. <laughs> and then... If you've played specifically, all right, this is specific. If you've played Halo 2, can you spam some PogChamp emotes? I need some PogChamp emotes right now. You can't do that on YouTube, I apologize. (laughs) But spam some PogChamp emotes if you've played Halo 2. See, the memories I have from the map lockout on Halo 2 rival any nostalgia. It is the greatest, in my, in my head, it has been memorialized as the greatest level map in the history of gaming. Like, my friends, there was multiple options in Halo. We would play Lockout. Like, it was pretty much guaranteed. We voted Lockout 99% of the time. The greatest memories I have of Halo 2 were of these 16-man... Land meetups. And I, you know, I had a pretty solid like youth group. And so that we always had 16 people and we would hook up four TVs, a projector, a big screen. You know, we'd have four guys on the little screen, like, and I can vividly remember having the greatest time with those dudes smack talking each other. And we're all like, you know, people are screen peeking. you know, you know how it is. If you ever land, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But one of the things I used to do, all right? Chat, don't don't roast me too hard, all right? Don't roast me too hard. But I didn't like when people would use my controller. And so we always had an outflow of people. Like we didn't just have 16, we'd have like 20, 22, sometimes 25 people just like waiting to play, to get in on the action. And I I I'm a, am <laughs> a rat. I'm going to be honest with you chat. I am. I didn't like people using my controller. So I specifically, I feel like embarrassed. I'm turning red saying this. I learned, (laughs) I learned how to play inverted so that people wouldn't want to play on my controller. I didn't want to play on my profile. I didn't want them to have my name. I know that's the most ridiculous thing in the world, but as a, you know, 15 year old, I, I could not stand the idea of someone playing under my gamer tag. And so I would legitimately change. I learned how to play the game upside down. If you've ever played inverted, I want you to, I want you to try it next time you have the opportunity because <laughs> there's no way it makes any sense. And so I started playing inverted and then I was able to flop back and forth just in case someone did actually go on my profile or whatever. But everything is upside down. When you hit the joystick up, you look down. You know what I mean? It's the same thing as the the principle on like Apple MacBooks. Like they, they stock come backwards from what you're used to. You go to scroll and instead of scrolling up, like you would normally, it scrolls the opposite way. And you're like, what? Because it's like the idea that you're pushing the page up. And it's like, it just doesn't make sense. It's upside down and my friends would legitimately wouldn't take my controller. So if someone needed to get tagged out, they would never choose me because they're like, oh, then we're gonna have to figure out the settings and we're gonna, and so <laughs> I did that 100%. That was not like, <laughs> that was not like not on purpose. Hey, I apologize, shout out all my boys used to play with me. You know, apologize, forgive me. But man, that was, it was next level. It was some high IQ right there. <laughs> and, but if you've ever played a game inverted, or if you've ever played like Super Smash Brother, Super Smash Bros, when there would be certain things or like uh, power-ups that would happen and it would make everything go backwards. Like if you'd go left, it would go right. You know exactly what I'm talking about in games that like that happens where it's like when you try to go forward, it brings you backwards and it messes up everything in your head because you're so used to hitting a certain thing, right? If I step forward, I move forward. If I step backwards, I move back. But in your head, it really messes things up when that switched quickly. And that's kind of what it's like in the principles of learning God's kingdom. Because you're unwiring, you're rewiring your entire brain to think and be different. And that's why when you enter into a relationship with God, it can be pretty difficult to get your bearings. It can be pretty difficult to understand like, Because you have habits formed from years and years of doing the same thing. Muscle memory, right? And, you know, you can create muscle memory in so many different forms. You create muscle memory in forms of your emotions. You know, where, oh, you said something mean to me? I immediately react with anger because that's what I was taught. I was taught to be defensive. And we have to rewire the way we think in order
1: to invert Or really revert
0: back to what is good for us. And that's really what we're talking about today as we're moving back into the Sermon on the Plain. And as always, I like to read the scripture verse that we're going over completely in the beginning so that you can get a whole picture of what we're talking about. And then we'll break it down verse by verse. We'll do a little breakdown action. Everybody with me today? All right. So as we are, we're back at it again with the Sermon on the Plain. It's different than the Sermon on the Mount. That was in Matthew. This is Luke. I believe they're two separate events. Jesus teaching the same thing. Just to give you a little bit of a brief overview from last week. All right. So we already talked about Luke 6 through uh, 20. Uh, and so we're going to jump into 21 today, but I'm going to read through all of them together. So the Beatitude Sermon on the Plain in verse 20. Then looking up at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor because the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are hungry now, because you will be filled. Blessed blessed are you who weep now, because you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, and slander your name as evil, because of the Son of Man. Rejoice on that day, and leap for joy. Take note. Your reward is great in heaven, for this is the way their ancestors used to treat the prophets. All right. There's a lot to digest here. A lot of those upside down type of feelings. Got to rewire our brains a little bit. All right. Are you with me? Let's go. Let's get it. All right. So blessed. We're we're jumping into verse 21. We did point verse 20. If you want to watch that sermon, you can go back last week and watch that. That's part one. This is part two. If you're in part two, you don't have to go see part one to be a part of this. It's not like one of those films. So you can be here and be present with us. This is a standalone as well. All right. So blessings to the hungry in verse 21. Blessed are you who are hungry now because you will be filled. Interesting. Interesting. So what you're saying, God, to me is like, If I starve now, I'll be filled later? Because I don't know, that doesn't seem very awesome to me. Like, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I I don't really want to go hungry right now so I can be filled later. Like, I want to be filled now and later. And that's not exactly what the scripture verse is talking about, obviously. It's not saying, like, you have to be hungry in a physical sense. But more so, this is probably drilling down to something deeper. So follow me on a different plane here. Blessed are, she, blessed are you who hunger now. See, the hungry person seeks. And God would often talk in euphemisms and, and talk in the way that would display images that actually meant something else, right? But he's attaching it to something that you would understand. The hungry person seeks. They look for food and they hope to satisfy their appetite. I don't know about you, but I'm a late night snacker, man. I'm always looking for food. Come on, hallelujah, Amen. And I also need to go on a diet. Their hunger derives them and gives them a single focus, though. Jesus described the, describes the blessedness of those who focused on him and his righteousness like a hungry man focuses on food. Now, I'm telling you, all of the hungry people in chat, you understand what I mean. Like when you are hungry, it, it, it's a change of mentality. I have recently learned in the last four or five years that I'm a hangry person. I am. When I am hungry, I am angry. It's just, it's the way that it goes hand in hand. I'm like, I don't even realize it's happening. It's not like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to be mad. It's just like, I'm naturally mad because I'm hungry. But the truth of the matter is, is the passion is real. Just like hunger is real. The passion is natural. Like the hungry person Naturally, hungers. That's a healthy thing. The passion is intense, just like the hunger is intense. The passion can be painful, just like real hunger can cause you pains in your stomach. The passion is a driving force, just like a hungry person, man. You're not stopping me to get my cupboards when I'm hungry. The passion is a sign of health, just like. Hunger shows health. It's healthy to be hungry. And, you know, we've kind of used this word hunger now in different ways, right? Like, you know, you're, if you're at the gym, you know what I mean? And you're putting up weight or, you know, if you're, a, if you're an insane football player, like the, the coach would be like, that player's hungry. He wants it. Who wants to be hungry like him? You know, and it's, it's this different idea of hungry right? It's not that stomach hungry. It's this desire. It's this passion within you. It's this drive. And it's good to remember that this would be twofold for the people in Jesus's day that he's talking to because those people, they understood hunger because they lived in a place and in a time where they were hungry and thirsty. See, in modern day Western
1: culture, it's often distant
0: from the basic need we we live distantly from the basic needs of hunger and thirst. I can tell you, chat, I don't know the last time that I was worried about getting a drink. I'm gonna be honest, I got lost in the woods with my family like a year or two back, and I still had so much water
1: on me, I don't think I could have ran out.
0: We don't quite understand what it means to need to get up every day to look for food, to hunt it down. We don't understand what it means to have to trek 10 miles to go get clean water or dirty water just to survive. So I think in the same way, we find it difficult to hunger and thirst after Jesus and his righteousness because we have the hindrance of excess. Put that in the chat. We have the hindrance of excess. Now you'd be like, TJ, that's some some first world problems, man. Like, daylight, that is first world problems at its peak. And I would say, yes, it is. But it is the problem nonetheless. We have the hindrance of excess.
1: And due to this,
0: remember this, there is little Perceived need in the Western world, which has created a large appetite for want. When all of your needs are taken care of, what else do you focus on? Well, you start to focus on those other carnal desires that you want, the things that are excess to what you need, right? And so that hindrance of excess that ability to just get whatever we want when we want it for the most part has created this desire in us for all of the wants in the world. And that passion and hunger, instead of deriving and facing towards the things that are healthy and good for us, tend to chase after that which is not. And now, church, I'm talking about spirituality.
1: You start to chase after the things that are not of God but are of this world because, well,
0: if I don't need to rely on God. He's just kind of like a, a second thing to my life. You know, I put, I put the Christian hashtag on my, on my Twitter profile, though. He becomes
1: compartmentalized in your life. He becomes the side ting.
0: And that's not where he belongs. And so how do, we, how do we break out of having this hindrance of excess, right? How do we curb understanding what our true needs are and build
1: that foundation on him? It's
0: more difficult than you would think. And I think Jesus often teaches it's actually easier to inherit the kingdom of God when you have Nothing. Because your naturalness, right, before you rewired, you're always taught that I need to rely on somebody else in order to live. But when you have much, you rely on yourself. And I think Jesus put it best when he talked to the rich young ruler. It'd be impossible for you to inherit the kingdom of God. And what he's talking about is as long as you can take care of yourself, which in reality, you really can't. But as long as you think you can, as long as you think you have all your ducks in a row, as long as you think,
1: you're never gonna think you need me. But
0: the truth of the matter is, is we're slowly dying, right? You can see it within like the the trend of obesity like, with excess, we're, we're, we're slowly killing ourselves. You can see it with the desire for, you know, sexual exploitation. You can see it in the desire for us to have other people's treasures. You can see it in the desire to step on people in order to gain success. You can see it in all these different avenues of life where we have excess and we just keep craving more and we satisfy ourselves with our own ability, rather than leaning on God and saying, it's all yours, let me rely on you. And it's a hard pill to swallow. But there is little perceived need in the Western world, which has created a large appetite for one. Matthew recorded Jesus giving a similar message when we talk about the Sermon on the Mount, and recorded Jesus with these words, blessed are those who, are, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Since Jesus spoke more than physical hunger, even his sermon in Luke here implies this kind of longing. A hunger for the righteousness may express itself in several ways. A man longs to have a righteous nature. A person wants to be sanctified, to be made more holy. A person longs to continue in God's righteousness. A person longs to see righteousness promoted in the world. And it's only when we allow our carnal nature to eclipse that true nature that God has instilled in us,
1: that imago day, that image of God, when we allow that to eclipse those things,
0: that's when we start living unrighteously. When we start to shudder that still small voice out of us and say,
1: I've got this by my strength, through myself. That's where we go awry.
0: In the second part of that verse, it says, for you shall be filled. Jesus promised to fill this hungry one, to fill them with with as much as they could eat. This is a strange feeling that both satisfies us and keeps us longing for more. You guys know what I'm talking about when we talk about that, man. How many of you guys have food cravings? Put your food craving in the chat right now. Food craving, what is it? Put it out there. I'm going to tell you mine. I have 100% over time and time again, they've corrupted me, man. This place, that I, I'm not going to say it because I don't know if it's okay. To... Chad, I think, they put, I think they put drugs in their food. I'm going to be honest. Okay. Because there is no way that I should be this hooked to this food. It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't, but I'm a garlic lover and I love spicy. Dude, there's this place called recovery grill. There's like a, there's a dozen or so of them around New York and they do this thing to their fries, man, where they put, they put this like creamy Buffalo sauce. So it's not like full intense Buffalo sauce just smeared. It's like this creamy Buffalo sauce. And then it has raw garlic, like just crushed raw garlic on it. And then blue cheese crumbles. I swear to you, I have dreams about these fries. My wife laughs and jokes at me all the time about this because I'm so serious. But something about it. You know what I'm talking about when you have that craving for that food. You're just like, there's something about it. That's the type of hunger that God that God's promising. He's promising a hunger that both satisfies, because when you're eating those fries, but it's going to keep you longing to come back for more because that's who he is. He is so amazing,
1: so good that you want more of him. And that's the way that I see That feeling that he's talking about. Blessed blessed are those who hunger,
0: for you shall be filled. There'll be a longing for you to run back to his throne. There'll be a longing for you to run back to him. And you might even take periods of, of time and run. But there'll always be this strange longing, this still small voice that's like, man, I've tasted what is good. And now I just, I know what I'm doing is messed up. I, I know what I'm doing isn't where I should be. But man, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm pulled back. And
1: that's because you'll never experience anything like it. Just like you'll
0: never experience anything like those fries. Blessed are you who weep, verse 21, because you will laugh. If you can't laugh, If you don't laugh often, you need to start figuring out what's going on in your heart. You need to laugh. Laughing is so important to to us being able to live a joyful, content life. I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe laughter can have cures for so many different things in you. Laugh. And if you don't know how, learn. Blessed are you who weep now. See, the weeping is for the low and needy condition of both the individual and society. But with the awareness that they are low and needy because of sin. He's not saying because you're sad because of X, Y, Z, this is happening in your life, you lost this job. No, he's talking about the idea of weeping because of the reality of you realizing that you've lived your life apart from him for so long. And when you realize that that gap, that harrowing feeling inside of you,
1: that emptiness. Is there that 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 puzzle piece we talk about in in our heart is missing? That weeping. Will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now because you will laugh. It's the you who weep
0: over sin and its effects. This mourning is the godly sorrow that produces the repentance, right? The coming back to Jesus, to salvation, to a whole relationship with God that Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 7.10. We won't put it on the screen. but it's this further
1: repentance
0: unto sanctification and unto salvation. So the first part in that 2 Corinthians seven ten verse, it's this idea of understanding the sorrow because of the life that I've lived that I now will give up for God. And then now that I've given up that, there's another part to that. It's the repentance unto sanctification, unto this idea of, every day taking steps closer to him, right? I'm using big words like salvation or sanctification. You might not understand what those means. Salvation is simply just the separation between you and God. Salvation is the the bridge between that. It's, It's the repair of that relationship. And sanctification is you becoming more like Jesus every day. Those who weep can know something special of God The fellowship of his sufferings. In Philippians 3.10, it says it like this. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Those Those who weep can know something special about God it's this idea of being able to fellowship in his suffering. Isaiah put it this way, a closeness to
1: the man of sorrows who was acquainted with grief.
0: Or in a more modern way, Spurgeon said it like this, i do not believe that faith which has not a tear in its eye when it looks to Jesus. I do not believe in that faith with his, which has not a tear in its eye when it looks to Jesus. Dry-eyed faith seems to be,
1: seems to me to be
0: a faithless faith, not born of the Spirit of God. I'm going to say this quote one more time. I do not believe in that faith, which has not a tear in its eye when it looks to Jesus. Dry-eyed faith Seems to be a faithless faith, not born of the Spirit of God.
1: For you shall laugh. The one who does not grieve over their spiritual condition can genuinely not not move forward. But the
0: one who does grieve over their spiritual condition can genuinely laugh when God makes things right. In Psalm 35, it says it like this. Weeping may endure for a night, but the joy comes in the morning. Do you know that song if you're an old old, old school Christian like me? Weeping may endure for a night, but the joy comes in the morning. There is a joy in the relationship of understanding where God took you from. Realizing the paths of life you would have walked down had he not intervened. The place that he took you from that you realized was not the place you wanted to be. The mess of a life you were creating when you were relying on yourself. When you were living in that excess when you were living in that place where because your needs were all met, because you were able to take care of yourself, you forgot to allow him to take care of you or you never thought to because you kept filling that emptiness with other things. But that joy comes when you realize, my God, oh, where I've come from oh, who you formed me to be. I don't even recognize the person I used to be. Me and my wife have been together since we were very, very young. I was 15 years old. And when I look at her and I see the person she's become, it blows my mind.
1: Because God had taken her from the path she was walking down and changed
0: everything. And in my own life, when I look at it and I see who I used to be or the person I wanted to become, and God changed and replaced things with dreams
1: greater than I could ever imagine, there's
0: a great joy that was put in my heart. A joy that I I fathom, I can't even really fathom or express in words.
1: And it came from coming from such sorrow.
0: Now in each of these three paradoxical statements, describing a person's spiritual condition in terms of poverty, hunger, and weeping, Jesus used the hopeful word,
1: now. You are poor
0: now. You will one day receive the kingdom. You are hungry, now you will one day be filled. You weep, now you will one day laugh. And so you may actually be financially poor right now, apart from the spiritual. You may be hungry right now in this instance. You may be weeping now because of your present
1: situation. if you can learn to adapt and understand that your now does not
0: concrete you into what the future looks like, if you can understand that your present issues and problems and situation does not connect to your future,
1: I believe you can find freedom. And on a spiritual note, if you start to adopt the idea of truly being poor, poor in spirit,
0: which is a realization that he's king, I'm going to cast my cares on him. I'm going to lean further into him. If you are hungry now, you start to become hungry for spiritual things, like devouring the word of God you become hungry for, for, for spending time with him, you can be changed now. If you weep now, if you learn now today, right in this instance, that you can be, be changed from the person you
1: were, you can have joy now. You can laugh now.
0: some have been taken by this idea that Jesus was more of a organizer or revolutionary than a true preacher and teacher. And that Jesus meant for these statements of blessing to subvert the social order and give power to the oppressed.
1: A lot of people in his day and age thought that. And Jesus was, in fact, extremely concerned To give power to the oppressed.
0: But set his focus against the greatest oppression of all. And it wasn't this idea of overthrowing the government or creating riots. But it was for people to realize that they've been oppressed by the tyranny of sin and the separation of God.
1: that is ruled over in in man since Adam and Eve.
0: While not ignoring the need of those who are poor, hungry, and weeping in the physical sense, Jesus focused on the spiritual revolution that would change them and eventually change society forever. And it is the same spiritual revolution that you can have now today. When I told you, I believe that if you can unlearn everything that you've been taught and take on this upside down paradoxical world of Jesus' teachings and well-being for your life, then you can have difference today, now
1: Because we all need a revolution in our hearts spiritually.
0: Jesus wasn't trying to raise an army. He wasn't trying to stir the oppressed to win some holy war. In fact, what Jesus said is against the spirit of social revolution. Because he gave people hope in their present poverty, in their present hunger and their present weeping. The revolutionary wants to take away all present hope and demand that people take immediate action,
1: often violent, so that it supposedly
0: changes something. And the bitter fruit of that kind of thinking can be weighed across history when people tried to do those things. But Jesus instead was instilling hope in these people that did face these extreme, these extreme situations. And he's infusing hope in you that one day the physical nature of these situations will pass. But the even greater message is that you can have that spiritual revolution today, and these blessings are for you.
1: He is stating that things will not always be this way. There is eternal hope. You may be suffering now. You may have had one of the hardest. Lives. And I understand because I've been there. But one day things will change.
0: And learning to suffer well has a present moment, life altering effect, as well as a future, eternal altering effect it affects now greatly and even more so in the future. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, and slander your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice on that day and leap for joy. Take note your reward is great in heaven, for this is the way their ancestors used to treat the prophets. Blessed are you when people hate you, We think of the people who see themselves as spiritually poor and hungry. Who with weeping seek God. It seems impossible that these people would be hated, right? Like it seems impossible that the innocent would be hated. Like oftentimes, like that's how literally stories are made. They build up this character's repertoire of like the Cinderella idea, right? Well, she's so good. She's so helpful. She's so kind and caring. How could you not like her?
1: But the truth of the matter is, as long as you're following Jesus, that is the excuse that people have to not like you. When people exclude you,
0: revile you, cast out your name as evil. It speaks to the extent of the hatred that would be brought against the followers of Jesus. Some of the things we stand for, church, are against modern thought and culture. And even though culture is changing, the word of God stands true and just the same as it's always been.
1: This speaks of the
0: extent of the hatred that we brought against the followers of Jesus. And even worse, the things that would come upon them. And Jesus said it for this, his followers. His followers for the son of man's sake would be blessed. And Jesus spoke this. And then when he ascended to heaven, as the church began this reality really set in. Early Christians heard many enemies exclude them, revile them, regard their name as evil. Christians were accused of in the day of of shortly after Jesus of cannibalism because of the gross and deliberate misrepresentation of the Lord's Supper, like what we did today. They were accused of immorality because of the gross deliberate misrepresentation of something they called weekly love feasts and their private meetings. But all that was was they gathering and learning the words, words of the, the, the apostles. They were accused of revolutionary fanaticism because they believed that Jesus would return and there would be an apocalyptic end to history. They were accused of split, splitting families because when one marriage partner or parent became a Christian, there was often change and division in the family. They were accused of treason because they would not honor nor bow the knee to Rome or its gods.
1: And the paradox comes into play that even through all of this,
0: they would rejoice and leap for joy. As the scripture says, it's a paradox to be so happy when so hated. Yet these persecuted ones can because the reward is great in heaven. And because the persecuted are in good company, the prophets before them were also persecuted. Just a couple different names of people throughout history that rejoiced and left for joy when persecuted. George Roper came to the stake, leaping leaping for joy and hugged the stake he was burned at as if it were a friend. Dr. Taylor leapt and danced a little as he came to his execution, saying when asked how he was, he stated this, Well, God be praised, good master sheriff. Never better, for now I am almost home. I am even at my father's house. Lawrence Saunders put it this with a smiling face embraced the stake of his execution and kissed it saying, welcome to the cross of Christ. Welcome, everlasting life.
1: At the end of your life,
0: when you are either being persecuted because the sin nature of the world has brought sickness or ailment, or if you're one of the few that pays the price of their faith, in another country preaching the Word of God, or if it's something less severe, where it's being made fun of or rejected because you believe what you believe. know that there is a joy. There is a joy that's irreplaceable in that of Jesus. And one of the hopes of my life is that when I am on my deathbed one day and when I'm facing what some would call the great beyond, the message of my life would reflect the same way that I lived it. And that is that Jesus is King. That Jesus is Lord and Master of my life. And that I was obedient To death and I pray that same thing over each of you that you would be obedient to the paradox that he's called you to that you would consistently live away live in such a way that is distant from this world that you would unlearn everything you know so that God can build up in you a great foundation. Welcome the cross of Christ. Welcome everlasting life. That is the gospel-led life. There is a cost to following Jesus. And he doesn't hide that from you. That is not something that is like, you only get to, to see after you become part of the club. And that's not how it works. And Jesus led, led this understanding and this teaching and this gospel understanding with the fact that you need to count the cost. That you need to have an understanding and a realization of what you're doing before you say yes. Because this life will not be easy. But there is a great paradoxical way to live. An upside-down life where you can have so much joy, where you can live filled, where you can have so much through and in Him. That's what Jesus wants for you. told you at the start of this sermon, there's a promised life to those who come to the submission of a new set of standards in living. You have to learn to embrace the paradox and walk in this world from a perspective that you can only gain through Jesus. So I pray that you could break through the hindrance of your excess. That you can learn to live in full reliance on God, even though all your needs are met and that your wants would turn towards the cross and it would be forever a change that would take you from this day forward because all of it is available now. It's available now. Church, I love you with my whole heart. If no one's told you they love you today, I love you guys.
2: Amen. Amen. Powerful, powerful message from Pastor TJ. Can we get some hype or hearts in the chat and amens in the chat? Guys, so much, so much there, so much to grab hold of right there. You know, I, and I believe so many of us in the chat today, we're hungry. we have a we have a desire for the Lord. I'm telling you right now that scripture blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled let me tell you something right now if you're hungry for god and you thirst for him you know revelations it talks about him being at the door of your heart knocking and it actually says that he wants to come in and dine with you he wants he he wants to eat with you he wants to fill that hunger that 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 what you've been missing i believe there's so many in chat and we love to connect with you we love to do life together with you we love to let do this walk this journey um, that, that God is bringing us on. And he I, I really believe he has so much for you. And today, you know what, let that let that word go deep. Even take time this week to listen to that, that word again. Let it go deep, don't just be mere hearers of the word, but let's be doers. And today, I'm, I'm, I wanna encourage you, open that door of your heart today. Let him in, and we'd love to connect with you. If it's your first time here, you can type in estimation point, connect in chat. Fill that form out with as much information as you feel comfortable. I don't know about you, I felt the presence of God all over this. I really feel there's so many here that you're searching, you're hungry. You're thirsting for something, and you've tried everything in this world to fill it, and nothing has satisfied. Let me tell you, there's only one who can satisfy you, and that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and he's done so much for us, and he has so much of an abundant life for us, but we really got to be able to go to that door of our heart and open it to him as he's knocking on it. He's a gentleman who never forces himself in. He wants to commune with you. He wants to dine with you. He wants to feel that hunger inside you. You gotta let him in it has to be a choice so fill for that format with that information when you feel comfortable we love to connect with you guys you know i really believe god is moving here on twitch some people say man how could it be a church for gamers well there is it's a place you can come if you're a gamer there was so much in that sermon even with the inverted controller i could never play the inverted controller. my brain can't process that i already see stuff backwards <laughs> i have this i'm dyslexic so i see stuff backwards I'm, i get all messed up but uh he, he's another level pastor dj he has that high iq but guys Church for gamers. Church for gamers. That's what we're doing here. We're doing what the. What, what, it seems like, man, it's upside down. Like, how can it be a church for gamers Well, there is? And we want to. We want to connect with you. We, we want to do life together. But I want to also mention this is all made possible by your generosity. Those that call God Squad Church. Um, your church and continue to give you know if your first time here we're not looking for for you to give or anything like that we want just we, we want everything for you we want we just to be a part of this but for those that call this your church you know and they continue to sow into this and second corinthians 9 7 says this um it, it says um each should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for um, um god loves a cheerful giver It also says um sorry second corinthians 9 7 also says god makes it clear um the amount um that is given right so like Honestly, you you, 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 God loves a cheerful giver. You, you should, you should give because not because the amount, right? But because you know what? I, I believe in what we're doing here. I, I, I want to give God, out, of, out of joy, what you've given me, Lord, and I, I want to be cheerful. Not the amount the doesn't matter. It's the heart that matters. And I want to continue to thank everybody. The size the gift. If you, if you want to give today, you can type in, give in chat. and you can follow those steps, or you can click the panels below and you can give through PayPal, or you can give through our website at GodSquadChurch.com. Or you can also, if you reside in the USA, you can text text any amount to 84321. And I want to once again thank you for generosity. God loves a cheerful giver and we appreciate that you are able to give and and, and really sow with us and continue to reach people here on Twitch and throughout the gaming world. There's over two billion gamers, right? And we're doing it. We're we're seeing on a daily basis. We're seeing salvations come. We're seeing God move and you're all part of that thanks to your generosity.